Hello and welcome to Rebecca Neal, the podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca, a holistic health and life coach, business mentor, creative entrepreneur, and your online bestie. I'm here to remind you that it is more than okay to show up as your authentic self, to have high expectations for your life, to become financially independent and get paid to do what it is that you love. Each week, I'm going to share episodes with you to inspire, educate, and empower you to reconnect to your soul's purpose, to awaken that power within and create a life and business that you desire. My mission and purpose is to help you find confidence to take your life from ordinary to extraordinary, to give you the tools and steps to living more in alignment with your true self. So if you're ready for honest and practical, soulful lessons, and you're committed to investing in yourself, then you are in the right place. And the reality is no one's coming to save you. And it's really only up to you to start to create and design a life that you love, a life that's exciting and invigorating. It's time to take charge of your life right now. Are you ready to grow, babe? Hey guys, welcome back to Rebecca Neal, the podcast. Today we have Ben on the show with us, someone that I admire who has a lot of depth and I was really excited about having him on the show because we've previously had some great conversations around many different topics. So very excited to have you here today, Ben. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Awesome. So one of the questions I like to ask guests, the first question is, how do they have their coffee? How do I have the co- how do I have yeah, how do you have your coffee? Uh, look, the, the the most common ones that I have are a an espresso or a long black. But when I feel like you know jazz, jazzing it up a bit, I, I stretch it out to a macchiato. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so that's as, that's as fancy, that's as spruce stuff as I get uh, moving away from the uh, espressos and the long black. So, not yeah. much happening there. I thought with you being in Bali, you might have some fancy mushroom coffee or something like that. Oh, no, I, I, I all the rest of the products I use uh, is where I is, is where that comes in on board. Yeah, so you probably have a bit of a break when it comes to your coffee. So, yeah. before we get into the depth of the show, can you share with our audience today a little bit more about who you are and what you believe your mission in the world is in this lifetime? Yeah, so I am um, I'm currently out in Bali, I live out here in Bali. Um, from Fremantle in Western Australia. Uh, obviously, uh, Perth and in Western Australia, in, in a sense, is very blue-collar, and I grew up um, in blue-collar sort of environment. Um, I was a bricklayer for a number of years. Um, grew up in a household full of women, uh, three younger sisters and a single mum. So I don't know whether or not 
that says a lot about my character <laughs> or some of the things I've had to develop, uh, you know, living in a household full of women. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in my, uh, in my mid twenties had a real hard slog and, and battle with depression, really didn't lacked a lot of, uh, hope, um, felt stuck, felt really exhausted, felt, uh, just constrained to sort of a life that I didn't sort of anticipate I would be in. It really didn't fit the script of which I thought I'd find myself in and, sort of found myself wondering how I arrived at that place in my life. Um, just kind of felt like I was really failing myself and the people around me. And, um, low self-worth, low self-esteem, you know, not happy in my body, uh, which kind of led me into health and wellness is the, the, the one thing that kind of was my shining light or that sort of avenue of, of gaining some sort of resemblance of self-worth was through um, health and fitness. And uh, that's what, um, you know, really kind of, kept me sort of in touch with any sort of sense of self-worth. I guess I kind of rose to prominence within my community or or the people around me due to going from that space in within a quite a relatively short amount of time within within a good two years. um, I I was able to uh, start an online business within network marketing uh, with a company called Isagenix. I I was able to leave my job within a couple of years of, of, being from a really depressed point, um, uh, I think it was it wasn't too long in the business, but obviously I worked really, really hard and was super committed and and driven and coachable and all those things that are typical of success. Um, but I think the biggest thing that sort of a lot of people around me saw the growth period of which was quite um, quite an exaggerated trajectory it was very it was kind of black and white as far as you know who I was going into personal development growth and online enterprise and all these things and uh how I was and who I who I developed into within quite a relatively short amount of time uh the the journey that I kind of experienced uh on all fronts uh not just with business and financial and everything like that but health and wellness wise uh, mindset wise um friend circle-wise, environment-wise, uh, all things sort of holistically. And that's sort of what moved me into the holistic wellness sort of um, umbrella, which is something I'm very passionate about because I've been able to sort of navigate my way to increasing a number of different avenues or aspects of, of health and of life that are really, really important that typically slip through the cracks for a lot of people that just um, uh, focus on the quantifiable and uh, don't pay respect to a lot of things that require a lot of self-reflection. So, yeah, through my growth journey, myself and my sister were able to retire our mother from her 38-year teaching career, being able to travel the world for the last seven years, um, training and speaking to people around the world on a number of different things. And it's kind of sort of like what what we hear. Um, We didn't really come into this with sort of any one topic. We've spoken a lot and um, I'm not really someone that's like a, a niche. I don't have a niche per se as opposed to having a number of things I'm really, really fascinated, fascinated by um, and love to talk about. Yeah, I love that so much. And it's such a great story. I've heard that about you guys being able to retire your mom. That must have been such a beautiful, empowering experience, you know, to be able to create that and give back in such a deep way. You know, for me, my parents did so much for me and to be able to turn around and be able to give back to them in different ways has been so great for me. So I can imagine for you guys, that would have been such a beautiful experience. So it's really cool. And so with health and wellness being like a huge place in your life, 
um, and something that I guess you care about a lot. What What is it for you that, you know, do you have some non-negotiables that you do on a daily basis when it comes to health and wellness now? Because it sounds like you've had this incredible turning point quite a while now, but when you first got into the network marketing space and started to do more of that stuff, what do you teach people that are starting out where you were in that depressive state? How do they get out of that space when people around them are sort of saying, you know, you should be doing this, you should be doing this, and they're in that heavy, dark place? Like how do you guide people out of there, you know, you know, in that sense? Well, I, I think the big thing to sort of reference is that um, when people find themselves in the position, and I typically sort of hear my past experiences and and consoling me and that's fantastic to be able to have that that sort of normality around it sort of created through the fact that we share common experiences um i always recommend people to to seek professional help with with so much of what i talk about it's purely just experiences what what helped me and what progressed me and some of the little tidbits and, and tools that i learned along the way to be able to help me navigate uh, out of that space, but it was it, it's in a culmination of of so many different things, um, right? I think at that point in time, with, with where I was at personally, just I really lacked um, I, I lacked a lot of purpose. Um, I felt like you know asking why why am I here? What's the point of my existence? And this existential sort of crisis, I guess you could say, and when pondering what that is and what your use is, right? Um, funny enough for, for me personally that um, my insecurities and my inadequacies gave me an opportunity to learn to overcome something that was quite um, common within society. And through that opportunity or that puzzle that I was faced with to, to solve for myself or to at least, at least the, improve the relationship I had around my, my emotions and, and what they meant, um, It was really something that it obviously is, is, is always a work in progress and everything and, and it takes time and all these sorts of things. But uh, with, with the sense of uh, gaining of tools in a sense, uh, being able to stifle um, circular ruminating narratives because uh, a lot of times people reaffirm this narrative and it's very circular in the way that it works um, and it's never broken because we think we've taken everything into consideration or exhausted all possibilities and it's rarely the case we've rarely exhausted any we've exhausted such a small minute amount but to us it feels like we have and that sense of um, rigidness I guess, I, I guess around um, understanding that we haven't exhausted anywhere close to the avenues or the resources or the tools to be able to help us never get out of a space and into a new one. Um, I think that uh, one of the big things was is that I had to change my environment. Yeah. Um, I was actually quite um, – rock bottom can, can be quite a compelling place to be able to make decisions that some people that are just content aren't willing to make. And I think when you're forced into that position, you make really you can make really powerful decisions that can navigate you into a, into an incredible space. I mean, all the purpose that is within my life was given to me through that those challenging times. Find my inadequacies, insecurities, overcome them, 
show people that it's possible to move out of it. And without that, I would have I would have lacked a lot of the influence that I have today, and the relatability that I'd have with a lot of people as far as influencing them in a, in a number of different areas. Um, whether it comes to mindset, whether it comes to health and wellness or whether it comes to business or just sim- simple social ideologies that I think navigate um, their life in a more meaningful way. Obviously, understanding values um, and, and being able to understand them are paramount to be able to make good decisions in life. Um, and just, just keep focusing on on my potential and 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 what what I could possibly create in the long term and having healthy expectations around that. I, I think, you know, environment is an important thing, very important thing. Um and, and not being afraid to sort of reach out and 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 be okay with uh just just gaining more information. A lot of people sort of seek it as like, oh, getting help is like, well, you know, we're just gathering more information and more perspective to go and uh, create um, a more broader um, option as far as a narrative instead of a very rigid script that it's very hard to sort of play towards every single time. And when we deviate away from that, we feel like we're, we're off, off path and off purpose and that can feel really tough sometimes, so... Yeah, I think with great challenge comes great growth, right? And I think the more that we are put in those challenging positions, the more we can come out the back of that to help others. And it sounds like that's what's happened for you. I know for me personally, I'm a much better coach because I've experienced depression, because I've been in the dark places, because I've had challenging relationships and all the things that, you know, can knock people down or keep them in that victim mentality or that space of why is this happening to me all the time instead of, you know, flipping that and looking at the lessons and the greatness that can come off the back of these times as well. And so for you, do you feel like once you sort of move through that and health and wellness is a major priority for you, do you have a spiritual practice as well? Like is spirituality important to you? Because I know being an, you know, an alpha male or masculine or in this world, you know, I def- it's definitely shifting for sure. Do you feel like you've been able to create a spiritual practice for yourself? Is that something that you're in tune with? And how can people start to dive into that if they feel like the alpha male that's like, oh, I can't go there. That's too woo-woo for me. Like it's starting to, op- I feel like I'm making, it, making any sense here. I feel like with the consciousness changing right now, that people are definitely opening up more to the spiritual world. And I feel there's still a lot of masculine men and alpha males out there who are still a bit like, oh, this is not for me. Do you have a spiritual practice and how did that begin, if so? Oh, well, I mean, again, I, I think everyone everyone has a spiritual journey, regardless of sort of how much you identify with it. I think, I think people, there's people that identify with their spiritual journey more than some other people do, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're on more of a spiritual journey than anyone else. It just, it means that they like to pay more attention to it and they like to sort of be able to navigate through it in, in, in more conscious sort of manner. doesn't mean that, you know, sort of people that wouldn't identify with it um, aren't having that same experience. The way it plays out maybe a little bit differently. Um, for someone like me, um, when I first got into self-development, I, I think I was very much like a lot of people. Um, you start to get into like Abraham Hicks and Eckhart Tolle, however you want to pronounce it, and um, you start to hear all this new dialogue and these words and these things, and, and you're typically someone that maybe hasn't trusted your ability to make good decisions in the past, which is a lot of what 
what happens with people that enter the spiritual spirituality sort of world is the fact that they're looking for answers. Um, they've experienced some, some stuff in their life and they don't trust themselves a lot of time to make good decisions because of how they feel like what has led them to have to search for the answers. They don't, they don't trust their ability to do that. And I think there's a period of time in the beginning when people delve into it is that they, um, they start to learn new things um, they start to learn new jargon and start to learn new ideologies and ways of life. And if they've entered into it um, with a sense of shame of less than humanness, a lot of the times it can then be propelled and the shame can sort of manifest itself in a more than humanist sort of way where uh, you get very grandiose in your theologies pretty much when you've only just learned them and then makes you sort of more grander than anyone else or more spiritual or more conscious or all those things. And um, you do see that. So uh, I'm curious around learning about myself um, first and foremost. Uh, I have, I, 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 it's, it's in the traditional sense of what we typically sort of hear about it with spirituality being religion or sort of spirituality in a sense of, uh, I know people don't like to term it new age spirituality, but um, of the likes of people that you'd see in like Ubud perhaps. Um, I've delved into the lot of same, a lot of the same things, but I just haven't felt the need to hitch my identity up against it, which I think a lot of times is, is sort of counterintuitive to a lot of what the teachings sort of promote, right? I think you get to a point in your spiritual journey where you no longer care to hold yourself at this exceedingly high conscious standard where you strip yourself of being able to live a full human experience. And I think once you've arrived at that, you, you see you being negative as just as spiritual as you being super positive, right? And you're doing this and living this and experiencing this and saying this and that and another, it, you become more freer when you're someone who practices spirituality or practices self-awareness or practices consciousness as opposed to someone that identifies as being conscious or being self-aware or being spiritual. You create this rigid identity that then anything that kind of butts heads up against it you're always going to be triggered. So that's the big thing is like where I kind of went through a phase of like this grandiose and learning new things. All the people around me are just not as conscious as me. Right. And then you get to, then you, that really loosens up over, over the years. And then you, you're quite fine running the risk of people not thinking you're spiritual or not thinking you're conscious or not thinking you're self-aware. And you do things intentionally because you're not gripped to needing people to perceive you as that way. And that's why um, I'm quite a confusing sort of character where if you saw me and you didn't know much about me, like I'm completely different than what you expect. But if you saw someone draped in a, in, in a rug with a hole in it and living very minimally and wearing beads and stuff, you'd think, oh, they must be this, they must be that. Whereas I just never kind of attached myself to a lot of the the nuances or the stereotypical things that a lot of people would ad adopt to look or be perceived in a more spiritual sort of sense. But um, I'm agnostic. So um, agnostic, I guess, is is the, the stance of I, I believe there's something greater than us or source. I just don't claim to know what it is. 
I just don't claim to know, um, to believe that we're capable of knowing or that we should know. So it's completely open up for interpretation and where that kind of ideology falls back into pragmatism where either logic or experiences, whether or not it doesn't matter, they sort of dictate whether or not they improve the quality of your life through how it changes your behaviours. So being pragmatic and being agnostic means that um, it's less important as to what it is than if it's serviceable and useful, if that makes sense, right? And I I just think we're here to live a full human experience and to know what source is, I think, can sometimes dampen that. And some people want to because the struggles of life, life is mostly suffering. That's a hard hard thing for a lot of people to understand and get their head around. Um, But that, again, is what we signed up for when we came here. Yeah. I like that because it's almost like, you go from one thing to another and you relate your identity to a belief and then you're almost in your ego being spiritual, right? And that's where I think, like you said, people have created that identity around being spiritual and I'm spiritual and I do this so I am better than, you know, the way I used to be or the way that everyone else around me is. So I really like that and I agree with you. I feel like there is some sort of higher power I don't know what it is. I don't plan to know what it is, but I know that I can tap into it or connect to it and then just live a life that's more, I guess, in alignment to my truth and who I am on the inner world. I guess that's where I'm sitting at at the moment is how can I be more connected to myself? How can I live out a better life in, you know, the environment around me, the people that I spend time with and in that sense connect back to alignment? And that's kind of where I'm at with the whole spiritual thing, you know, since I was a teenager, I've been dabbling in the spiritual world, say, and I was known as a white witch <laughs> in my teenage years because back then it wasn't cool. There was no audio books. There was no podcast. Nobody was talking about it. I just knew there was weird stuff going on in my life that I couldn't put my finger on what it actually was. And so I kind of hid that for a long time and then got more into my ego and became a fitness model and, you know, just completely shut that world out. And then I rebalanced and came back. And so I guess for me, I try to live a life that's in alignment or conscious, say. So, and I know you mentioned that word before, conscious living. Is that something you say you live by? Like, do you have conscious relationships? Do you feel like you live a life in alignment? Oh, look, if you know, if you have high self-worth and you know your values and you've got good boundaries, right, yeah. But conscious, I mean, humans are only conscious of 5%. It's not really enough to tip the scale. And, and this is where it's like I prefer to, to use the term I, I practice self-awareness or, or I, I learn to be more self-aware of, of myself to become less unaware. But 5% really isn't tipping the scale as far as being able to identify as being conscious, is it? You know, so I think the more you learn, I think, that, I think with a lot of the way that I go about things is it's more to learn how much I don't know as opposed to trying to become more conscious or trying to become more smart because it might become a day where you think that you are actually super conscious or you do think that you are extremely intelligent and that's when you start to have arrested development, right? When you've got a kind of context around uh, being inquisitive of just how little you actually know, it humbles you. Mm-hmm. And you can navigate life in, in sort of a less noble like 
righteous, noble sort of moral righteousness, I guess, which we do see quite a, quite a righteousness as far as moral um, hierarchy, people placing their morals on a hierarchy is is a is a another pandemic as far as I'm concerned as as far as the way of which people um, it's very difficult to to not navigate this this life being governed by everything that's in your unconscious but it does pay to sort of become more conscious of what those things are um, so you can move towards the direction that you want more effectively I, I think consciousness and self-awareness is a tool to tool in your belt as opposed to something that uh, you identify with. Again, the, the more that we create a rigid identity around something, um, we'll, we'll go to hell and high water to, to defend and protect against it. The more things that we choose to identify too, too rigidly with um, kind of stifles growth and development because we're not willing to have objective, um, it creates objective bias and that stifles growth in itself. We're seeing a large amount of objective bias because people are more inclined to want to protect an identity or protect an ideology more than they want to go and seek what's right. And that also means potentially being wrong. And it's harder to be wrong when you're so rigidly attached to something, right? You see it when it comes to why are good people divided by politics and religion? And, and the thing is, is like if you believe something different to me, you're, you're bad or good. But what if good people were divided? not a bad person, a good person to buy because that's also obviously subjective. So, again, it's like it's, it's just checking yourself at the door um, a lot of times with um, your intentionality, you know, your ideologies, what you're, what you're looking for, what you're hoping to achieve. Um, and consciousness and, and self-awareness allows you to be able to ask powerful questions so you can navigate hum the human experience more effectively and with other people. It's not something that I need to have a badge on me yeah. or because then the, the threat is, and this is what a lot of people do, especially a lot of coaches, is that they, they want people, that their whole business and their branding is hitched off on the fact that I need you to put me on a pedestal so that I'm more grandiose and more, more knowledgeable than you because that's what's going to make you want to buy into my business. Me being seen as just simply human is not a, not a good thing for business, right? But what that ultimately does is it puts people, people place themselves in this lofty high standard of, of the human experience that they can never be able to reach, reach, right? And then everyone around them places this up then on this, un, this lofty, unrealistic pedestal to which when they show their humanness, they get condemned, they get criticised and they get blown up because I've wanted to let you know just how conscious I am all the time and, and very, very seldomly how human I am. And then when I do show up as human, you're going to shoot me the fuck down. So that's a big reason as to why I practice it, I think, but I'm not hitched to it. I love banter. I love shit talk. I love this. And it's like people get to see the full dimension of, of what I am as a human being, not just one aspect that I'm super rigidly attached to, right? I'm probably 80% banter and shit talk that's super, <laughs> maybe 20%, 20% consciousness, like 20% sort of anything of, of real value because the last thing I want is to be propped up on this high, um, this, this lofty expectation that just no one's capable of, of, of reaching. But I place myself there 
and and now I have no wiggle room to learn, to grow, to get better, to mess up, and that I'm going to be and, and we see it like on social media. Everyone's so quick to just shoot everyone down. It's like no one has room to grow. No one can have healthy dialogue because it's just like a war of moral righteousness hitched on and us all thinking that we know better than the next person. Totally. And it's so unsustainable. And, you know, something I really pride myself in is being authentic. Yes, I have some form of professionalism, let's say, or I show up in a certain way. However, I try to show as much of my true self as I can when I'm online, because I think social media is, I'm incredibly grateful for it. The connections I've been able to make, the business I've been able to grow. However, on the flip side of that, I think it brings a lot of toxicity, a lot of negativity and that space for people to put themselves on that pedestal, right? And so do you feel, what are your thoughts on social media? Yeah, we did a podcast on this not long ago, myself and Emil Steenbad, if, if anyone's watching. Emil's a, uh, a really, really uh, incredible mindfulness coach. Um, if, if you're looking for an outlet, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was a good one. Um, we did a podcast the other day on it. Um, look, it just depends on whether or not you're being used by social media or social media is using you. Um, how you navigate it and the boundaries that you create. Um, again, it's just an extension of, of, of life and it's just magnified, right? I, I think... Um, I think everyone has an opinion, but not everyone's really good at um, verbalizing or questioning their intentionality as to what they're what they're trying to achieve with it. Um, I, I, I think people have a hard time with uh, people disagreeing with them, and that's not a problem. Like the way that society progresses is people having differences of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I just don't think a lot of people engage in a healthy way, their differences of opinion. Um, uh, and it's, it's so easy for a lot of people to get dragged into it, right? <laughs> because it's so easy to just flippantly say shit back to someone and throw rocks from, from like you can throw rocks from, from over the fence and you can shoot from a distance, right? <laughs> and everyone's just so safe in their little home being keyboard warriors and being able to fling out their opinions but having very little methodology as far as actually wanting to influence people. People have to understand that influence is I can take you from thinking this to choosing to think different, not to agree with me, but you, you choose to now think in a different sort of way without me having to shame you into a different way. Now, again, this, everyone sort of thinks about influencers as someone that's got a large following. I don't believe that. Like me getting you to buy a bikini doesn't mean, doesn't like that's very fucking small amount of influence, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like if I can take you from having this sort of thought process to this one, but, but you've chosen it and you don't feel like you were wrong or bad and I gave you the space to make that decision, that's a skill. And that's a skill that a majority simply don't have because when they enter into the social or online world is that they uh, the, most of the intention is uh, to be right and that shows up in their methodology of, way, of which they display their opinions, right? So there's only a, you know, I have my rules for myself as far as how I engage in other people's discussions or on, online and I think they're useful for me. <laughs> to check myself at the door. I think they'd be useful for a lot of people to be able to check themselves at the door. Um, 
with the people that I disagree with that maybe comment on my stuff, I always go to work to find out what they're wanting, what they're hoping to achieve, if we have a common ground of which we're trying to work towards. If your motive is to be right and it's not to find what's useful, I have no interest in, in engaging. Yeah. I think I've seen you share that stuff online actually about different people having something to say and just wanting to be right. I think it was you, you posted something about it once. And I think there's a lot of people on there just wanting to have a say, like having their keyboard warrior moment, let's say, and they don't actually know what they're talking about half the time. And I think people, it's a great platform. Like I said, there's, I'm incredibly grateful for it, but it brings out so much. And I always relate it back to money. Money makes you more of the person you are. I feel like social media also makes you more of the person that you are and it brings out of you or gives you a place to be heightened by what it is that you or who you are as a person. And it's, it's kind of a sad place to be. I think when people need, feel that need to, to sort of say things that are unnecessary to others. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's just, uh, there's just, there's so many aspects of, of social media. And again, obviously we, 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 we work within a space of which is sort of, I guess, considered personal development growth in a number of areas. So I guess we're like we're obviously talking in reference to like social concepts and things like that. But um, again, we've just got to like I've got to really understand that if I had to live the exact same set of life experiences as whoever's disagreeing or sees the world differently than me or has this viewpoint or took this action or has this behaviour, I don't assume that I would do any better or be any better. The only reason I get to have my stance is because I've lived my life experiences. And it's just, it's being able to ask these things so you can level yourself out. And obviously, um, again, I always, I'm always more, more concerned about people's methodology of expressing their beliefs than I am about their actual belief. Mm. Right. Um, the methodology says a lot more than what their actual belief is. Values unite people, beliefs typically separate. So a lot of times if we found a lot of common ground with what people actually want values-wise, they're not too dissimilar. The, the, the way that of which they think they're going to both obtain it is, is what is the massive divider, right? Um, yeah, we do see sort of people being able to play out a version of themselves that they like better online. Um, uh, I guess a sort of a self-discrepancy. Um, that's the, that, I mean, it is, it is tough. A lot of people sort of, everyone, everyone's got, got old wounds and old needs that they're trying to get met and, and social media is an outlet for them to sense that, but like gain that, but that can sometimes come back and bite you in the ass in real life. Um, you know, and, and sort of corrupt your psyche as to as to the way that you view yourself within the traditional world, as opposed to on social media. Uh, being able to bridge the gap between the discrepancy of how you show up in real life and how you show up um, online is super important, and that's a big reason as to why I'm starting to navigate towards doing more podcasting and doing more videos, so that um, I'm not having too much of a um, discrepancy from the from two worlds, and people can really get a sense that how I am like is pretty consistent. Um, so, look, social media can be an, like an absolutely amazing thing when, when used well. Um, just like anything, it gets, it gets used well and it doesn't get used well. Um, can be positive, can be not positive, but that's just the... Um, 
guess that's just the contrast of life with pretty much everything, right? Polarities, right? There's polarities in everything, right? So something I see, I guess, a lot with my clients is fear, limiting beliefs, feeling stuck, taking that leap to create change. And I can imagine, you know, I have a background in network marketing for five years, so I've seen the ins and outs of network marketing from my side and I've seen a lot of fear and a lot of limiting beliefs come up in that space too, so I'm sure you see this regularly too. And creating change for people can be super scary because comfort is obviously a better place for a lot of people or they feel a lot better in that space, right? So I truly believe mindset is everything and that links back to all these feelings of feeling stuck, limiting beliefs and blockages and all that sort of thing. And like you shared in your 20s uh, or when you, yeah, you were in your 20s when you felt those insecurities and self-worth stuff. What's your advice for people who I guess that you may see or people listening today that are struggling with fear around taking that next step, you know, into success, into life, but also in business? Look, I mean, it boils down to, um, again, it all comes back to sort of the identification and the ego. I mean, the ego's job is ultimately to, to protect us. It's kind of like um, it, it's it's sort of like a parking inspector. Like it, it's frustrating, but they're just doing their job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's a good right? So. So having a good relationship around that and understanding sort of like, it, like without an ego, we'd be dead. You wouldn't be able to identify with yourself and you'd have no fear and threat. So to, to some extent, um, it, we need it and it's super, super beneficial. Uh, its job is to purely keep us safe. That's its job. It's always gonna, that's always going to be its job. The other thing that everyone has to understand is that our emotions are not in service of anything else other than our survival and reproduction. People have this this thinking that, Oh, my emotions should support me and my goals. Your emotions, they only give a fuck about, about survival and reproduction. Why is it so difficult for people to be able to move out? Because that's, that's what we're combating against. That's what we're fighting against, right? So I, I kind of think of it as like fear is a loss of self, a loss of sense of self. Um, and typically it breaks down to, into physical or um identity physical is quite quite simple don't jump off the cliff don't go near that bear right don't drink that poison on the other hand identity like because there's so much of it unconscious like it's it, those things that threaten the way in which we see ourselves now we have we form this identity it's been good to get us to a point where we're at right now it's been very serviceable and allowing us to survive right now it's done its job and because it trusts itself to do its job well, because the proof is we're still here, it'll fight tooth and nail to be able to go and maintain that. And the more that we go and do things that question the way that we view ourselves, that will that will make us question to the degree of how well I feel like I know myself when I start to take actions that are not not reflective of how I've shown up in the past, right? So... I think um, fear is one of those things can actually be really, really very, very useful. So, um, again, the quality of our life is dependent on the quality of the questions that we ask ourselves, right? Most people's real fears will actually get them to do more than they actually thought humanly possible. People's false fears were actually stifling, all right? So now if I was to hypothetically say that I was about to walk on stage, 
speaking in front of in front, in front of people is a very daunting thing for the majority. They're actually more more fearful of death itself than actually go right because some people are less scared of identity deaths than they are of actual physical deaths. And that's the that's the depth of how how far it runs. But let's say I'm about to go on stage. And I'm saying to myself, people are going to hate you. People are going to think you're this. This is going to ruin your career. This is your defining moment. If this doesn't go well, no one's going to, this is right. And you start to create, again, this narrative. And that starts to build esteem. And it's like, but people's real fears will actually get them to take the action and, t- and take the step forward. You know, like, I do you want to live a life of mediocrity? Mm-hmm. And like, I'd say things to myself, like, do you want your nephews, your nephews and niece to see you living your life in a passive way or, or, or are they going to see, talk about their uncle in a way where he, he navigated life in a very intentional way. That fear of having them see me be passive horrifies me more than what the fuck I give a fuck about. Yeah. Right? Like... And again, that's what moved me. It wasn't that I lacked fear. We're not try- like anyone that's sort of preaching become fearless doesn't really want you to have a gauge of where your growth is and to be able to find where you're going to be able to loosen yourself up and gain a lot more mental freedom. Again, the, the real main way of kind of moving through that is to is to is, is exposure therapy. Yeah. Exposure therapy, right? When I learned how to be go from uh, low self-worth, can't talk to one person to speaking in front of thousands of people with next to no preparation, right? Walking behind backstage, people are going, like, people nervous, pacing up and down. I'm sitting there chatting, 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 walk up, go up, do my thing, go off. But what they didn't see was little, like the thousands or hundreds of thousands of times where I just stepped into it. And I asked myself questions to navigate myself into that. And again, it wasn't so much hitched on, on the outcome. I think a lot of people have this positive and negative reaffirm, like reaffirming that they've, that they've got, whereas like their self-worth and the outcome that they desire is hitched on what comes after the action of which they take. And this comes back to when people are very clear at developing developing a vision board for what they want, but they're not very good at developing a vision board for who holds it. Now, when you create a vision board for who holds it, you come up with a whole list of things that they do that you don't, right? And then it's like the outcome is has to be hitched on, has to be hitched on your willingness of being able to be who holds it and do what they say they're going to do, right? So... Your self-worth comes in. I love the fact that I actually just took that action and that took me a step closer to a version of myself that can hold the life that I want. And whatever comes afterwards, I can't control. The more that we put our self-worth in the things that we cannot control, it's like putting eggs on a rocking horse instead of on a table, right? We have to put all our self-worth in the things that no one can give us validation for. It has to all be the validation of the fact that I took an action that took me a step closer to being the person that has these sorts of traits or these sorts of values. And I took that opportunity. The same thing happened when I met my now girlfriend. Sat at a cafe. She's at the other end of the cafe. Middle of the day, not a drop of alcohol, no Dutch courage. Sat there looking over at her, 
oh, I, I've, I think I've met her briefly before. Like, oh, she's cute. So that starts to get play up in your head. Oh, I should go say hello. First initial initial thought, go say hello. Then, <laughs> then, no. Got her headphones in, working away, not busy. Like probably socially, I was probably, <laughs> I, 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 I gave up my social awareness of kind of perceiving that someone didn't want to be spoken to, which was probably accurate for um, breaking free of um, worrying about sort of an outcome, right? So I'd say, Oh, doesn't live here, probably not here for long. All these things that sort of support not doing it. So they're starting to gain weight as to why I shouldn't do it. And then I started to work, go, okay, well, you're good at doing that. Well, let's navigate and see what the, you know, what's really happening. Are you just afraid? Are you afraid of rejection? Is this, are you really like, right? Is this an opportunity for you to go up, go and break that? Does ideal Ben or the version of yourself that holds more capable of doing that? Is the outcome simply the fact that you can actually go and do it and that's what's going to make you love yourself more? Then I went and did it, said hello, 10-minute chat. I survived. I went back, sat <laughs> down. But later later on down the track, we, we ended up in a relationship been together for one and a half, um, you know, one and a half years now. And, again, it's not this it's not sort of becoming fearless. It, it's like you can have a huge amount of success in your life having 95% fear and just 5% courage. That, that, that 5% is enough because 5% only requires a spit momentary decision. That's all. It doesn't need a massive build. It only means that it needs this. And it's like our narrative that we create within our head as to, the, as to what the payoff is that isn't hitched on what comes after, I think is a healthy way for people to be consistent on their growth journey towards what they want to do is not hitched. Because the problem with becoming positively reaffirmed of what comes after is that when that doesn't come as frequently as you want, you think you're not getting any gain, which you are. You're developing traits that are going to serve you very, very well. You stop doing it. And that's the real threat. Yeah. Yeah, and there's that expectation piece then. I think I, I actually I got an email this morning that was an opportunity to host an event with 80 people, like an intimate setting, and I was like instantly like, I haven't done this before, you know, even though I've been saying I want to speak, I want to do more of this, I want to, I've been loving doing these podcast interviews, I want to host an event. And then it came through in my email and instantly the fear and the inner mean girl starts going and, you know, you're rattling off like you just shared all those thoughts. And I was like, you know what, say yes and figure it out later. And that's what I did. So it's now like I've got to find that courage around the nervousness or like you said, the 95% fear and step into that because the growth that's going to come from that is just, it's worth everything to me, you know? And I think I try to put myself in positions where I can grow and I can expand and I can feel fear, but, you know, feel that accomplishment at the end, which is really powerful. So I love that story too on your girlfriend. I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> um, can you tell us more? Cause I know you've mentioned, I may get it wrong, but you were single for like seven or eight years prior to that. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so do you, do you feel like, did you consciously do, do that or decide that? And then were you waiting for the right person to come along or was there any, you know, you guys have a, I'm assuming you have an alignment of values and you're living a pretty cool relationship. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, look, uh, um, I was, yeah, I was single for a good seven years. Um, quite happily single, 
Um, I wasn't one of these people that was like, oh, God, I'm single. Like, when am I going to find the right person, right? Um, I, I just, I, 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 we met and I didn't have a, a requirement for it to be anything. It played out how it was going to play out. Along the way, I met a lot of fantastic people. But I knew my values and I knew what I wanted and I was just unwilling to sacrifice any on on that at the fear of like aging or this or that or blah blah the other or whatever right now I mean when I'm at Pell I didn't have this oh this is gonna be it and this is what a lot of people do. It's like I think when people do that they it's not that they like or love the person it's like what like and love what they represent and and it's it's it, that role could be played out by just about anyone and for me it wasn't about someone just fulfilling a role and 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 what they what i needed them to be for me we just we we you know seven years i met a lot of people and i get fantastic people and it's just like maybe one or two things really really just didn't click and that's no blight. I mean, again, like in the dating world, a lot of people kind of, oh, well, we didn't work out. Oh, that's a blight on me. It's like when you when you understand people's wounds, what they're working through, the history, what unconscious triggers them, all these things, um, and you understand that all the different values and the different hierarchies of values that could possibly be the case, um, oh, my screen's just changed for a second. I know, that just changed to green. <laughs> oh. um, hopefully that goes back. But um, oh, there we go. Kind of go back. Um, do you understand that finding someone that really fits in reality is like finding a needle in a haystack? I believe good 95% of people in the world are with wound mates, not soul mates. Um, oh, oh, I think it's probably even more than that. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of people with listeners go, well, not me. Mine's soul meets soul relationships. Like, <laughs> it's like <laughs> the 95% are probably saying that, right? So I, I think I just knew, knew to be able to differentiate. Um, and when you're so unattached to anything being what it's not meant to be, you're quite fine with just allowing things to play out. It just played out how it played out. It just developed into what it developed. Um, you know, I'm really, really happy in my relationship. Obviously a lot of challenges. When, you, when you're single for seven years, um, it's very easy for to develop in, in some instances, not all instances of intimacy, some real challenges when it comes to that due to conditioning. Um, so... Yeah, it's 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 providing a lot of different challenges, but ones that I'm happy to sort of um, work towards. This is gone. because so, relationships are our greatest assignments and teachers in some sense. And I know a lot of people ask me about relationships, and it's not really my forte. Um, and I know you and I have even had conversations about different things around relationships. So. When someone is trying to, let's say, find the right person and find a soulmate relationship rather than be in a wounded relationship, we all have wounds and traumas that we're working through. How does one work out what's important? Because it sounds like you were very clear from what you've just shared on what you wanted, 
what your values were, what your standards, boundaries, et cetera, are when you were going into that. How does one work that out or know what those things are and know if that person aligns with them? Look, I, I, I had a sort of base level sort of, I guess, understanding around myself and what, what um, my wounds are, what I'm working through and all that stuff, right? So, again, it was like not everyone, not everyone has going to delved into those things that really like dragging from the unconscious into the conscious means uh, acknowledgement, right? You can't drag anything out of the out of the unconscious into the conscious until you can actually acknowledge it, right? So being someone that was willing as to open like open enough to, to have that discussion while I was single, um, I also know my worth. Like I I have a lot of self-worth. I don't know what I'm worth. I know that I, I don't feel like I need to to um, uh, settle for what's not what's not sort of aligned and again like people use oh it wasn't aligned like as if oh it wasn't aligned it means my my values are better mm. right no no it just it just didn't fit and that was and that doesn't that doesn't diminish anyone prior but again some people just aren't ready to meet um you if, if you're someone that gets on the front foot with your stuff and you talk about it, that can be kind of daunting to a lot of people um, if they're not ready to as well because they'll feel like they're required to do that at the same extent you are. And for a lot of people, they're not at that point yet ready to do that, which is fine. Everyone's got their time, right? Um, I was very open with my stuff with like leading into things. Um, and obviously Paolo was really sort of uh, receptive and appreciative of having that dialogue. Now, you will not go into a relationship with anyone that has no baggage. It's not possible. But having a willingness to unpack it together is 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 the big thing. Now we we also we valued a lot of things, and it's not that we don't have our differences. It's just the way that we're able to navigate it um, uh, and communicate. Obviously, um, was a was a big big variable so um i think the work of being able to differentiate between the two is the work that you do prior to that or during it for yourself whether or not you're finding soulmates or wound weight is going to depend on whether or not you are aware of the needs that you're trying to get met unconsciously or consciously Right, and um, whether or not they're just simply plugging a hole, or you, and there might be someone could be. You, there's there's people that are that you're right for them, and they're just not right for you. You're going to experience that as well, right? Some people I might have been right for them, and I just wasn't right for like it wasn't back the back the other way. And again, I think you know media. I think um, back in the day. Um, relationships were purely confined to just prospering financially, land rights-wise, and having a family to continue on with. It was like very less, it was a lot less about love and, and the Rome and everything like that. And then with with media and movies and songs, they really knew that they could play into that with um, creating lack and and making relationships need to look a certain way and create this ideology around that's only taken, it's only been taken on within the last century. And I think um, 
a lot of what that's done has placed a huge amount of pressure on people needing their relationships to be more for them than what they're within what they're meant to be like people have this thing where it's like my partner's my best friend business partner confidant uh psychologist <laughs> cleaner this and that and the other and it's like when they're not able to sh- show up in in every aspect of what that they're they're going to fail almost every single time and that's it like obviously um uh not being in a place where you don't need your partner to be your every like I I when people say you're my everything you're my world I don't know what I'd do without you telling you right now that to me is not love that's dependency and that is that is that's uh, I mean that's a dangerous place to be like that sounds great because we've been we've been sold that narrative in songs and everything like that but I don't think that's actually that's true real love right i think a a large amount of what love is as well is just um working out what you don't necessarily like about them but what you're willing to tolerate and a lot of the times what we what separates us from getting a relationship with people is not that there's not a lot of things that we don't love about them is the fact that there's some things that we're just not willing to tolerate and for me that was a big part of it was there was a lot of things i loved about a lot of people but there were some things that were just a breach of my boundaries and it was up to my level of self-worth to be able to differentiate between that. Yeah, I love that so much because, like, there's so much in that, but about making everyone your everything is something, you know, my friends and I talk about this a lot. Like, our partners need to not be all those things. We've got each other for that. You know, our friendships fill this void. Our, our parents fill this void. Like, we don't need our partners to be everything in these days. Back in the day, potentially, yes, they were the provider, we were the nurturer or whatever it might have been. And I think that's very um, great point that you made there because a lot of people do think that they have to be all of everything, including the cleaner. <laughs> well, they went that. They make that they make their partner have to be like expect them to be that, and and again this is a th- again the threat of social media is that you see all these couples and nah, 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 nah. and it's like I don't need people to show me their difficulties or, or express it online for me to know they've got them, but a lot of people actually do, right? And when they see these travel couples nah, 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 doing this and doing that. And it's like it's very hard to like look at your partner and go, why are you not? Like, yeah. Right. Like, and it's like, and and again, it's like understanding. Sometimes you have values that maybe don't match, but do they benefit one of your other high values? The fact that that person has them, and then can you show appreciation to that as opposed to um, belittling it or 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 getting angry about it? And seeing that the way that you get to live out this high value gets to be expressed more, even though it's different than this person, because this person has this one that helps you have the space to do this one. And if they didn't have this as a high value as opposed to yours, you would have to drop this one down, right? Because you'd have to go and attend to other things. It's being able to just understand again, like, again, what each other's values are and how do they benefit each other without them always having to be, 100% exactly what they are in the hierarchy. A good general consistency between them is, is obviously fantastic. Um, but, again, these are all things that you sort of have to be curious about as, as far as, you know, understanding, uh, like, um, your attachment styles, understanding... Um, 
uh, just the little unconscious games you play in order to get needs met. When you when you start to understand this stuff, I think obviously it's more important that the more you understand yourself, the more other people's behaviors start to make sense. If if other people's behaviors don't make sense to you, it's like you need to go find them within you, then they'll make more sense. Yeah. It's almost bittersweet though when you have that level of self-awareness or you can see why people do things and they're not sometimes conscious of why they're doing things and you sort of you for me, it's definitely a bittersweet experience because sometimes I just don't want to go there or dive into it. And I almost see things from a very um, empathetic place when I should really just be like, no, that's a boundary cross. Then I'm like, oh, but this is why so-and-so is doing this and they've had this experience and I go on this whole journey when it really should just be like, I can see why this behavior is happening. That's not on. Like it's, it's a, for me, it's a bittersweet experience having that self-awareness or that awareness of other people's personal behaviors. Oh, that is very true because it, it, in some ways it makes life easier and in other ways it makes life more frustrating. But we've got to understand that what we deem to be our common sense is often not common, right? So, like, common sense is understanding that common sense is not common. Really? And when you understand that, hopefully things become less frustrating. Like less frustrating. But with relationships, they're always going to be the, the most challenging thing to navigate because they're always such a fluctuating things, steeped yeah. in 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 in, uh, in trillions and trillions and trillions of experiences over generations that have culminated into two people spending time together. Like trying to call <laughs> yeah. so I'm conscious of your time I don't want to keep you much longer but what I know you're a very curious person and you're always getting into and learning and growing and all these things what are you currently curious about at the moment um there's a couple of things um I'm, I'm always curious about like uh like herbs and adaptogens and different sort of ingredients and things like that to do with health and wellness and uh, just things that just really prime the body. But um, intimacy, I'm like, one of the big things I'm working on right now, um, that is another challenge that I get the opportunity to sort of work through. And once I move through it, I can have the ability to go and talk to people about my experience. Um, doing a lot of work around intimacy that can sometimes be really really uncomfortable now um there's a lot of different degrees of intimacy it's not purely just sexual or anything like that but of, of which of which your openness or expression all right and again that come, kind of comes back to my how i was raised um and uh the experience i had as a child you know that kind of perpetuates into into adulthood but on the forefront with that sort of stuff um also, um, I'm as we were talking before. I'm really interested in 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 delving into social constructs and social ideologies and social psychology, moral psychology, and again, what why good people are are uh, are, are separate a lot, like what divides them. Um, and being able to, how can society progress in a healthier way where we can share our ideas where, where it's just more healthier? So moral psychology, social psychology, really, really interested and fascinated um, about it. Um, 
identity politics is something that I've been looking into a little bit lately. I'm not not necessarily. Uh, I'm one of these people that sort of takes the middle ground. I try to try to see the use of in both sides, but I, I see quite a, a quite a flaring up of identity politics, especially when you're looking at what happens in the states and sort of understanding that a little bit more, um, and how detrimental that can that can be um, from what I've gathered so far. But just little, just just little nuance thing. Again, so broad. Yeah. Uh, I kind of just like I'm so inquisitive around so many different things, right? And and obviously, like to grow, you kind of need to give a good good amount of attention to sort of one, two, three, four things, not opposed to like a whole slew of things. Um, but uh, I like to be able to just learn to develop into someone that can provide um, perspectives that are useful to, so that we can work out what might be the most useful way for us all to be able to progress together. Coexist. I love that. So when you go on a journey to learn and evolve, do you read books? Do you listen to things? Do you do, is there a way you, you go into these topics or learn? Yeah, I have discussions with people that don't agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's obviously the, 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 um, uh, the quickest way, obviously, to learn. But, I mean, it depends on sort of, of which the container of, of those conversations are which being had. Some people are just not, again, the motives are not designed for you to go and share ideas, to go and, and work out what, what actually is the case. But, yeah, podcasts are a lot on YouTube. Um, I like just listening to, to, to great minds, typically like a lot of old stuff, like older stuff, um, uh, older people. Um, I think a lot of the younger generation, sometimes like you can polish, you can polish a turd with good marketing, um, with, with a lot of the older people. <laughs> and again, I'm not like ragging on my own generation or anything, but I've just found like I've, I've gravitated a lot to it because uh, they just they were so committed to the craft and, and, and their work has been so relevant just purely not from a marketing standpoint but just because of what they share is just steeped in their genius and their brilliance and it hasn't sort of made its way to my consciousness through anything other than it's than it's um, than their craft and what they dedicated their life to so love that is there someone that comes to mind that has had a big influence on your journey of personal development and growth yeah. Um, look, Wayne Dyer, Wayne Dyer was a massive one in the beginning. I think when we're looking at a healthy blend of, of feminine and masculine in a man, um, it's typically like the guy that you would like be happy that if they were your dad sort of thing, like they're kind of like you view them as like your dad sort of, right? Um, he was a big one. He was a massive one. I, I was really, really sort of sad when he... he um, Past, but um, he was a big one. Dr. D. Martini has been yeah. massive, he, he, massive. That guy is that guy's incredible. That guy's that guy's incredible. Um, just the just the just the, yeah. Obviously, a lot of the people around me. Um, John Peterson. Um, he, he's he's one that um, I find interesting because people people find him quite polarizing. And, and and really miss he's he's hugely misunderstood I feel very curious person he's he's so misunderstood and that kind of makes me like again it's like do people just choose what they want to be the case and they just fight to cling to it or 
and that's the, that's one of he's one of the, the sort of examples of like someone who's extremely loved and, and then someone who's not. And it's just like for someone like, and again, people who can listen to this go, well, that's because you're a white male. Well, white males gravitate towards him. Maybe there's a little bit of that, but um, I, I find the way that he he talks about social psychology very interesting. Um, uh, and again, he's just one of those people that has highlighted no matter sometimes the stuff you say can be completely misconstrued and taken into completely the other direction, but you should always go to work to go and put your, your, your viewpoints across yeah. in a way that you think serviceable, which, which he does. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, I admire his work. Um, there's a whole, there's a whole, but like a lot of women around me are super powerful. Um, got a lot of really strong powerful women that are really really successful that um i really value as far as the way that not not only the way that they think but the way of which they deliver their thoughts that is something i i i really look at a lot more than anything else is is the methodology of the way that people look to look to go about how they go about things and that's sort of underlying a lot of times and that that misses for a lot of people i I pay real a lot amount of attention to that so um but not everyone's always going to be right sometimes you're going to be flipping right and that gets falls back into being human and being allowing people to be able to have that human space right so yeah yeah um just off the top of my head, but a lot of just a lot of just little little different people. Like I, I don't really gravitate to one person. I just um, I, I nitpick from just all over. There's there's no one person on earth that I really agree fundamentally with 100 percent of everything they say. Nor should you, um, and nor should you throw a baby out with the bathwater. Like if someone, totally. if someone does. Yeah, I think it's about learning bits and pieces from everyone depending on what topic or what it is that you're diving into. I love so many of those people you shared and I think people that are listening today should definitely look up uh, John Demartini and Wayne Dwyer. Like they are both incredible humans and so you can learn a lot from that. So to wrap it up, is there one, let's say, if you could give your 17-year-old self some wisdom, what would that be and why? Um, mm, recently, like I went on a little bit of an ayahuasca sort of journey not long ago, ah. and um, and 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 sort of what showed up was like throughout my whole life, through I've never felt safe. Um, I've had to develop traits that I've put myself in a position to create the safety for myself. Um. And I think, like, obviously, like, with a lot of the things that the adult doesn't feel like they need, that doesn't mean that there's not a small child within them that still still wants that to be realised, right? So I'd probably just say to him, it's like, like, you're safe, dude. Like, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be protected. You're going to be fine, right? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I just think at that point I just had a lot of anxiety around my future. I love that. Um, That's really cool, the safety piece. I definitely have also 
had actually a lot of that come up for me as well as a safe thing over my um, journey of being in places where I just feel unsafe when I should feel safe in hotels, just lots of fear and anxiety around the same sort of thing. It's funny you mentioned that. That's just brought that up. (laughs) Something that I probably need to continue to work on. Can we just touch on the ayahuasca before we wrap up? Because I'm very curious about your experience with it, if you're willing to and open to talk about it. Um, Another girlfriend of mine on the show recently was sharing her experience and I'm very curious about plant medicine and, you know, have, I don't know if you've microdosed with mushrooms. That's a, a bit of a thing at the moment as well. Can you share your take, your experience or a little bit with our listeners today that are curious about that? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not a um, reliable source of uh, <laughs> information when it comes to the inner workings of ayahuasca. I'm a curious human being. Um, I, I don't, let's pop the, let's pop the hood open. Let's have a look. So, um, that was really a big, big intention of mine was just going into it. Like, just show me whatever you want to show me. Yeah. Right. Um, so did the diet the first day went. um, first night I actually, I had, it had no effect on me. Um, nothing happened. Interesting. So, so uh, I sat that whole night, just sort of like, "Who's it going to kick in?" And, and a lot of people sort of like, you know, referring back to, you know, you need to be open to it, all these sorts of things. Um, I think I probably could have. That might have been a little bit of it, but um, just didn't didn't do its thing that night. Um, I then went in for the uh, the, the second night after, and. Uh, had some, I think you call it rapé. It's like this uh, uh, mix of other things. I think it's got tobacco in it. Have to have another look. Um, just like with this little pipe, blew up nose, eye drops, all these different things to sort of help open me up, loosen me up, be more welcoming of it. Um, I'd uh, by about twelve, I'd had about three cups. So three cups is probably like about um, that. And I was sort of like, I was kind of like back in my younger days when I'd take party drugs, right? You know how you'd, you'd, you'd have one, you'd have like have one uh, pill and then you'd be like, oh, nothing's happened. And then you take it out and then it's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. I should have waited, like, right? Uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time since I've done any, any party drugs, but I just remember like that. So it's like, I'll just take a bit, like be patient. And again, again, it's not so much about the dosage or anything like that, but um, that's sort of what insinuated my patient. I had three, still nothing at midnight. Typically, they sort of stop giving you um, the ayahuasca at midnight, but because I still wasn't feeling anything, they said, okay, we can give you one more if you, if you want one more, and hopefully. So I had one more, um, quite, a big, quite a big one. And again, I don't want it to sort of this is just my experience. I'm not sort of talking about what anyone else should do or dosage wise, cause it's really going to be, look, <laughs> uh, there's so many, so like, again, I'm no source of telling you don't t- take this with all grain. This is just my experience. So um, I had a lot more um, and the, the ceremony was done. Finished. Everyone's sort of coming out of, come, come, everyone's coming out of their trips and I'm still like, Oh, I thought I had the amount that, you know, could have turned a rhino on it, but then it's like I'm just sat there and then yeah. towards the back end of it, did a bit of dancing, 
And then everyone's just talking about their experience. I'm sitting there like nothing. And then it sort of slowly started to come in and um, by the time it was finished, the ceremony, um, mine was kicking in. So everyone else is done and I'm just, I'm about on my way. And um, I spent the next probably four odd hours laying in the laying on the grass uh, on like with a quilt, just like, just mush. I was just mush. Like, just so like in my body, so relaxed, not freaking it, like not freaking out. Um, just looking at the stars, stars were amazing. Um, just sitting there chatting with Paolo, like just, right. But I was like, sort of looking at myself going, you know, I'm covered in tattoos. You won't be able to notice, but um, looking at, looking at him going, why did you do that? <laughs> Why did you do, like right? Well, so I'm start judging, like I start judging myself, and I'm like, oh. And then um, I start to have flashbacks of like different. Not, I mean, again, like not flashbacks like where I go. It's just like thoughts pop into your head yeah. of like a time, like where I was back in my hometown doing this, doing that, um, and sort of looking for the consistencies of like what was popping up, why though, why those specific stories were showing uh, showing up, and how I was feeling in those times, and. Um, yeah, just looking up and just 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 quite uh, pleasant. Some people throw up. I didn't throw up. I didn't come close to throwing up. But when I hopped up, like I, I had a hard time walking for a little bit, so um, had to had to obviously wait a while so I was stable again. Um, but yeah, I mean I, that was my one experience. Again, I haven't done enough to be able to have to sort of use references of like you know one time was this, one time was like that. You know, because it can be so very like. The variables can, you know, people that have had 50 experiences will tell you, look, I don't get the same one each and every time. So I don't want to pin my two experiences on what, like, the general consensus is of, of what you would experience. Again, kind of going into it with, with an expectation of, of what can kind of affect, I think, some a bit of your accepting of allowing to do what it needs to do. Um but yeah, and then sort of just the experience was just like, oh, you know, I didn't feel safe due to this, due to that. Just brings to sort of the forefront maybe some things that slipped through the cracks for me. That was my experience anyway. Other people there had had very different experiences, very different experiences. Um, so yeah, people say it gives you what what you need, and that's probably accurate. Yeah, cool, awesome. Thank you for sharing. Was that in Bali? It was, yeah. Yeah, cool. that's awesome. Well, is there anything else you'd love to leave us with today that we haven't covered? <laughs> no, I mean, I think we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. It's, yeah. been, um, it's been enjoyable to talk about all these different things, right? So um, hopefully everyone tuning in finds some value in this or at least I, I think the big thing of, of which the place at which I talk about things is just to open up for people yeah. to to think it's, it's not necessarily sharing ideas that I think are fundamentally correct. It's just being able to provide options yeah, or just extra information of which people can then conform and construct their, their, their thoughts or the ways yeah. that they view the world and whether or not they dismiss them or take them on. I don't decide that for people, people decide that for themselves. And I just give what's been useful to me or ideologies that have worked for me. And again, I just really hope that people, go to work to find they're useful more than going to try and find what's right. And I think when you kind of take that premise on, you become really, 
be sort of more curious to, as, and, and less clingy to what you want to be the case as opposed to finding yeah, I love what, that. what's most useful. Yeah. So where can people find you online if they want to connect with you? Um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, ben James was taken. I was slow to Instagram, uh, slow to the Instagram game. So it's underscore, underscore Ben James, underscore. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Ben Kelly or Ben James Kelly. And I have, I'm starting up a YouTube. Oh, awesome. Uh, one, one sort of like network marketing training and, and, and relevant stuff. Through that, and, then, and then the other one's all like my podcasting and other videos that I do that are sort of just uh, a lot more, a bit more broad. So you can find me, Ben James or Ben Kelly on uh, YouTube soon. That's awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure. And we have covered a load of things. So I'm sure people can take some golden nuggets from what we've shared today. Well, thank you so much again. And thanks for having me. Wow, if that didn't blow your mind, then I don't know what will. Ben has so much depth. And if you look at him on Instagram, you probably would be quick to judge and not even realize how much he has within him in his amazing heart, his amazing mind, his amazing soul. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to check his podcast out. It is now live since we did that guest interview a couple of weeks ago and he is on YouTube. I cannot wait to hear what you think of today's episode. Please DM me, let me know all the thoughts and I will see you for a solo episode next week.